tell you, it's nice to be home. You know, it's not too often you can come back to your home church in a different position. Normally, um, many of you know that by this time in the service, I'm occupying some space on the carpet. And everybody used to think that was because I was so annoyed and got knocked down by the Holy Spirit. But in actual fact, I was exhausted from dancing. Well, we like to joke around about things like that. But I was wondering, you know, um, what the Lord wanted to speak to you guys about today. And coming back to my home church, I wanted to make sure I was right on the money. Uh, no fooling around, you know. After all, my mentor, my father in the faith, my pastor is going to be here. And I hear he has a scorecard, so... I want to make sure I got it right. <clears throat> a couple of experiences the last couple of weeks kind of brought me to where I'm going to be preaching today. Some of you heard it on Friday night, a bit of it. I ran into a lot of people who wanted to have more time to talk to me about the woes of the world. Oh my goodness, it's so dark and they're so upset. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And these are not regular people. These are Christians. These are Christians that are established in their church. And I began to realize there's a lot of Christians out there right now that are exhausted from watching the news. They're exhausted from trying to figure out well, what, what, are, what is their role? What are they supposed to be doing during this period of time? What is it that we as Christians are supposed to be doing? <coughs> they keep running around asking pastors what to do. Well, I'm here to let you in a secret. I don't know. <laughs> but I know my book. I know my word. So... I'll get in the Word. The Word has to have the answer. Amen. Why? Because I asked the question. Father, what do I do? He says, go to the Word. And all right. But we also have a problem with the Word. I know, look. <laughs> Any of you yelp, that's fine. I threw the rock, no problem. But here is one of the keys for a Christian to walk with strength. And that is this. Don't show hands. All right? How many of you firmly believe the word in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2? Without exception. No other explanation. That's the word. That's what happened. Amen. Right? Now, if you're sitting there saying, no way God can do that in a day, you have compromised the Word of God, right there. And as soon as you compromise the Word of God, who has authority? The enemy. enemy. All you have to do is open that door just a crack, and he is slippery. He's all oiled and greased up, and he just slides right in. And then he starts saying, oh, no, we'll use, instead of a day, let's use an eon of time. But that's not the truth. 
right in there, he actually proves himself. Go to, the, go to Genesis 1. So when you're in Genesis 1, what you will find as it goes through, God said, let there be light. And light came, and what's the end of that section of the verse? It's down there, he says, so the evening and the morning were the first day. That's the first section that he did. Then he goes into the next section. So let there be an expanse, and he goes through what he did then. And then he says, the morning and the evening, that is the second day. And then he goes down on further, and he says, he separates the waters, gets that all done. He said, now the morning and the evening are the third day. And like any good person who's telling you things, he'll kind of look at his audience and go, wait a minute, I, get, I don't think they understand what a day is. So in the fourth section, he gives you the proof. He says, here, let there be lights in the expanse of the heaven to separate the day from the night. And let them be signs to indicate seasons and days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And so God made two great lights, great light that rules the day and the lesser light that rules the night. He made the stars also. Then God set them in the expanse of the heavens, lights on earth to rule over the day, the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. Then God saw it was good, and he said, in the evening and the morning were the fourth day. God himself defined the time of a day. And he said, does God lie? He doesn't lie. Absolutely, he does not lie. He's all truth, everything else. So he said, for the first three parts, he said, I did this in a day. And then to prove for you the accuracy of it, he said, I'm going to show you. This separates the days, the months, the seasons, the years. And then he said, here's a day. From, from morning right around to the end of the evening is one day. Our God created the entire universe in one day. And man, ever since, has been trying to figure out how he could do that. I'll let you in a secret. Give it up. You're never going to figure it out. He's God. We're his creation. Be thankful. Right? When you establish that, and you put that aside, and you look at now all of Genesis as a book of narration, not a book of prose, it's narration, it's a narrative, it's a history. And God proved himself right there. Most people, when they read this, never, ever, ever look at 14 through to 19 and study it and understand God just proved what a day is. He gave you the explanation. There is no other explanation. He created everything in a day. Hallelujah. I love a God that can do things that quick. Can do that expansiveness, can do anything he wants to, no matter what happens to anybody anywhere. Done and done. Fully healed, fully recovered, completely made whole, full of strength. Everything. He is going to renew every part of Pastor's body. Why? 
because he's God, but because he loves me. And when I speak the word of God over anything, and I ask it in Jesus' name, what does scripture say? It's done, right? It's done. Right now, pastors can run. I don't really care what anybody says. I don't care what even pastor says. He's healed. He's healed. Now, both pastor and I realize Psalm 23 is our new theme song for a season. We're going through it. But I'm not going through it alone. I'm going through it, not only with Pastor Gary and other people, I'm going through it with God. Amen. I'm going through it with God. We are the most privileged people on the face of this earth. Those of you who are Christians and have a true comprehension of the presence of God. The more you practice that, the more you will understand how victorious you are. You cannot deny what God wants done in you, through you, by you, but mostly with you. With you. Trust, faith, one and the same. I trust the Word of God. That's my faith. I trust that whatever God says is so and is accurate. John 16, John 14, 15, and 16, I love them because he's sitting there and he's saying, look, and he says it three times in there. He said, whatever you ask me in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it. One time he says, I'll do it because I love you. But I love the one in, in John, John 16 where he says, I'll do it because I want your joy to be full. Hallelujah. I want your joy to be full. I want you to be so happy that I'm around that you just cannot stand yourself. Everybody's looking at me and says, did you really say that? I cannot stand myself. Yeah, I can't. Sometimes I look at myself and go, oh, dear Lord, how did you ever, 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 ever hang out with me? By doing that type of thing, then we're sitting there, and we have that type of stuff. But how does it really work for us today? Does it work like it always worked? First of all, let's go with this one. Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? Amen. Does he change? No. All right. Jesus was not around, the Holy Spirit was not around in the book of Genesis. Right? <laughs> Darn. <laughs> you always got one in the crowd that knows, right? He wasn't to the point where he came to sacrifice his life for salvation. But he was present. Absolutely he was present. He's always been present. As a matter of fact, Enoch knew it better than most. But what did Enoch do that he was noted in the Bible for? Walked with God. Walked with God. He was so much walking with God, he just went home with him one day. Hallelujah. But he walked with God. Who was the other person? Noah. Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. 
and God singled him out to build the ark to save everything for a reboot or a restart. But he walked with God. He did not read with God. He did not pray really hard with God. He walked with God. What happens when you walk with somebody? Get to know him pretty dang good. Right, Pastor John? Pretty dang good. The more you walk with a person, you're in their presence, the more you can ask questions of them, and the more they will give you understanding of how they think, how they do, what they're about, You'll find out how much of a friend they are. You'll find out how much of a protector they could be for you. Are they going to stand on the same ground? Are they going to have your back? But you walk with the person. You spend time with that person. By that, doing that, you get to know them, and they get to know you to the point that when they decide to correct you, you know them very well. You receive the correction. How many of you have been corrected by the Lord? Good. I'm glad to see that. I was about to say, you know, I haven't had a break yet, but I'm corrected daily. Thank heavens. And some of my correction is pretty rough. You get out ahead of God, and then you have to stand before your congregation and apologize for them because you get out ahead of them. But either I do that, where I don't take the correction seriously. Because what I do, how I lead, and what I'm doing, I want from the Lord and only from the Lord. And when I put my flesh in there, it doesn't quite stay on the rail. But it's so sweet. And he's so loving, he just, he doesn't stop me and, you know, put me in detention for a couple of weeks. Just turns the train, puts it back on the track, Amen. And get her going again. I don't have to collect anything. I don't have to go to go and pick up my 200 bucks and carry on. It's all done. Another person that walked very close with God, it didn't say he walked with God, but you could pretty well take it the same way as Elijah. He did not die. He did not do it. He did everything God wanted him to do. He commanded God. He got out ahead of God. He got out ahead of God. He did wonderful things for God, but, you know, he stuck off to a cave and decided to prophesy against Israel, and God finally came to him and said in a small, still voice, don't do that. I have it covered. I have a remnant. You're not the only one. But then he picked up his boots, come out of the cave, and went and found Elijah and trained him for 20 years. But he walked with God. He did what God wanted to do. He followed God's commandments. Why? Because he was open to it, because he had surrendered his life. And that's what I'm here to show you today. How many understand the difference between submitting to something and surrendering to it? Is there a difference? 
Would you like to know the definition of the submission to the surrender? Submission means I like the idea, but I still have an opinion. <laughs> okay, I like what you're doing, Pastor, but I still have an opinion. I'll keep that for the background. Right? That's submission. That submission means I have still my will, I have still my understanding, and I'm not letting it go. Surrender, I let it all go. I'll have an opinion. I have no opinion whatsoever. I am surrendering my will, my rights, surrendering it, putting it all over there. If you want to have the kind of walk that Enoch, Noah, and Elijah had, you need to surrender. You need to surrender. And if you don't surrender, you'll have an opinion. And when something comes up that you're not sure of, you're going to make sure your opinion gets heard. And that's going to put you right in between the enemy and the Lord. It's not a good place to be. Pick one. So that you won't be spewed out of his mouth. Surrender allows one thing to happen. It doesn't matter what the other person says. I am committed, and I am surrendered to that perfect will because I know that will. And when I do it down here on earth, I do it as a will and a gift to my Father through my pastor. I am surrendered to Pastor Gary Nancy. What they ask of me, I do. Do I agree with it all the time? He's as human as I am. He can make a mistake, but I don't give a rip. I don't. Because he has to go to the principal's office when we go to heaven. I go to the playground. Right? He knew that, so he said, Bob, I'm sending you out. You're now a pastor. You're coming to the principal's office with me. Nice guy. And I don't like being alone. Guess what? So I got two ordained. <laughs> They're coming to the principal office with us. The mantle of a pastor is a requirement by God to teach you, to prepare you, and to make you good disciples. Of Jesus Christ. What's a disciple of Jesus Christ? It's not someone that reads about him, it's someone that actually emulates him. When people see you, they should see Jesus. Do they see Jesus? Are you quick to give somebody your opinion? Well, I don't really believe in that, brother. Tithing? Giving alms? Offerings? First fruits? All four aspects of what we are required to do with our finances. Why? Because I'm surrendered to him. But he'll show me what it's for and why it's about. And I need to do that so that he knows whatever he gives me, he can get through me to whom he needs it to get to. And by the way, when you do that, and you put it through, he goes, oh, that's neat. I'll multiply that seed and give you some more. 
and then it multiplies again, and it multiplies again. It gets to the point. The running over is he's giving you so much to get out to so many people that it's just too much. It's just flowing, flowing over you. You never have a concern. You don't have anything to worry about. Your biggest concern is if I'm going to get it to them on time. <laughs> but that only comes through surrender. If you have an opinion about it, you're going to say, well, does he really deserve it? He ticked me off last week. Why would I give him that? Come on, God, you and I have to sit down and discuss this. Not. Dad says, go give it to him. Just go give it to him. All right, fair enough. So I'm going to surrender. But I'm surrendering to somebody who doesn't just love me. He is love. He is love. Get that through your thick head. All right? Now, no, a lot of you don't have as thick a head as I do. I mean, I come out of religion. I had a real thick head. <laughs> Pastor Garrett took one look at me when I walked through the door. He goes, oh, dear God, what am I going to do with him? <laughs> yeah, there I are. But surrendering, I do that. And by the time I surrendered, then I started reading the Word, and then I began to understand if he is love, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm in love. Did you get that? Yeah. If he's love, I'm in love. Yeah. I'm surrounded by it. I'm infused with it. It all pours out of me if I let it. Or I can have an opinion. Right. Oh, gee, I'm not really that good. You know, I haven't read the Bible for about two weeks. I mean, I really shouldn't be there. Oh, buffalo chips, about you. Go away. God, love, 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 love. You're in love. It's infused in you. It's everywhere. All you got to do is show up. Just show up. But now I want to give you a better hint. I want you to really understand what it means. In um, Matthew 5.14, Jesus himself says, you are the light of the world. What does that mean? Are you a flashlight? Are you looking as a very narrow beam? But you're the light of the world. Remember that. I'm not going to pull this together, but you're the light of the world. Jesus is the light in you. You're now the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Only if you will surrender to that, and only if you will allow his light to shine. All right? Now, here comes the good part. This is the part I really like. I'm in love because God's love. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have taken residence inside me. It's in there. But I'm not sure where the switch is. I'm not confident enough about who I am. I'm concerned about the bad things I did. Although I'm saved, I keep remembering them. So, God, do you really want me to do that? 
And you sit there and you do this. You know, do you really want me to do that? Like he's up there. He's gone. Oh, no, he moved into me. Oh, um, what do you want me to do? I don't hear nothing. Come here, John. Remember I said that walking with God creates an intimacy far beyond anything that you will experience with any friend, with any person. Jesus said this, All you who are weary, come, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. For my burden is light, and my yoke is easy. All right. Well, if these three characters down here really got to know God very well, being yoked to Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. This is the spiritual position you should have. All right? I got a problem? By the way, I'm not sure who do you want to give that 20 bucks to. That lovely young lady right there. All right, let's do that. No matter what I'm doing, I'm yoked with Jesus. This is practicing the presence. Thanks, John. This is practicing the presence, walking with him intimately every moment of the day. Get that yoke that he said and get it on you. Get it on you. And don't just think about it. Oh, Pastor Bob, you're such a fool. You're know, walking around like this, holding along with Jesus. <laughs> Who cares what people think? You're surrendered to love. He's with you. He's right there. So why don't you just practice his presence? Practicing his presence will give you a place of peace and of joy that you have never experienced. You will go through life, and when anything shows up, he'll grab you and call you closer. Amen. And he'll say, all right, you need to go to the doctor, but I'm going to go with you. All right? Amen. Well, Dad, can't you just give me a miracle? I mean, really, you created the universe like, <laughs> and one day it was right there, and in one day you took the entire planet of the earth and you put everybody, the grass, every tree, every fruit bearing, all in one day. I plan to see you had to wait at least three months. Why can't you give me that? Because, son, I love you. You're going to walk through this. I'm going to show you more about you. I'm going to give you a strength in that area that's going to help the minister others in the same area. And by walking through, you're going to show yourself surrendered to my perfect will. And the suffering that you have, you will enjoy with me and in my own suffering too. And when the Lord said that to me, I began to understand. I don't care. I really don't care what comes my way. Some of it is, yes, probably because I smoked. Some of it may be because my religious mind didn't allow me to take in the full truth of God's presence. But, but, I'm in love. 
I'm in love. As a matter of fact, right now, I'm so in love, I really don't care what the enemy wants to do, because if God wants me to walk through it for a bit so that I'm prepared to teach and help others, Amen. go for it. Yeah. Why? Because I ain't dying. I'm not dying. Now go ahead, put another lump on my neck. Come on. <laughs> I have stopped fighting in the physical. Right? I don't war against flesh and blood. I war against the spirits and the principalities and the power that's in the air, in the air. So I don't shadow box anymore either. I used to do that quite a bit. I kept getting hit. So I gave that up. Now I'm in the Word. And being in the Word, I realized I can walk with God just as Enoch, as Noah, as Elijah, as the 12 disciples did. I'm able to put on his yoke. I have his yoke on me. And I have to remind myself some mornings, I have his yoke on me. That's no yoke. Well, some of them got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me. All right. So if I have that, and I'm in love, and I'm practicing his presence, what's going on in the world right now, you should be doing what God does in Psalm 2. <laughs> Sits in the heavens and laughs. So should you. So should you. And Jesus said, you know, I knew this time was coming, so I'm going to go to the island where John has been exiled, and I'm going to tell him what to do, and that is for the people that are in this time right now. All right, so I'm in love, right? You're in love, right? You totally surrender to God's perfect will in your life, right? All right, fair enough. You got your yoke on? All right, you're yoked with the one with all the power, all the wisdom, all the word. Then Revelation 22, 11 is for you. Turn there. I want you to see the word, because this is how you are to act in this time. You're to act like this in this time. Why? Because if you're in love, totally surrendered, this is what you should be doing. He said that the unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. What he's saying is, don't get involved trying to correct, trying to do anything, being the big voice, going against hundreds of people. You're just going to stir it up. So just let them be. They are. You, on the other hand, you, you be righteous. You be righteous still. And you be holy still. You keep your eyes on the person you're yoked with. That's where you keep your eyes. You don't keep your eyes on the television. You're not concerned with how Fox is looking at and giving you their opinion or CBC is giving you their opinion, you do this. Why? 
because you're in love, yoked to love, and love will lead you to a place where you will talk to the unjust and the filthy, and you will have the power coming through your voice that will convert them. Why? Why? Well, Bob, how does that work? Jesus says this. I'll get you to go there. You have to remember that all of these things are done. Go to John 16, verse 8. The Holy Spirit is in you, but when you ask and surrender and ask him to come upon you, you go to a new level. The anointing hits, right? The anointing hits. Are you the one that's going to save that person? No. Let me help you here. You haven't got that kind of power alone, but you do when you're hooked up with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is at work. It is the Holy Spirit that does this, right? When he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world stands condemned. And he does it in those three ways for this one purpose and one purpose alone. He is the one when you come with him and you stand before somebody who is filthy or somebody who is unjust and you go to speak to him, the conviction of the Holy Spirit gets all over that person. They become convicted of their sin. They become convicted of their sin. And now the next thing out of your mouth is that Jesus, he loves you. He died for you. They're going to receive that because they're going to convict that person of righteousness. Do you see that? It's the Holy Spirit acting through you. Not your voice, not your stuff, not your opinion. You're surrendered, so you're just doing what he's asked you to do. So the Holy Spirit gets all over them. They start to weep. I've been there, and it's amazing to watch. And as soon as you mention Jesus, they're, can I have that? And the next thing out of their mouth, because the enemy is right there, you're not worthy. You're not worthy. And the Holy Spirit comes right on me and he convicts them. Yes, you are, bud. We already judged that one. He's finished. You're fine. That's how it works. And when we follow him and we follow the word of God, we don't have to worry about how dark it's out there. You're a light. Amen. Let me help you with this one. You're so much of a light when you surrender. You could be walking through the mall and somebody's going to notice your light when you're five stores away and they're going to come to you and they may be filthy and unjust. It may may even be, no, I won't mention the name, but, you know, he runs the country or thinks he does. He gets in front of you and the Holy Spirit takes over, convicts him, convicts him of a sin. You start to talk about the Lord and talking about salvation and he convicts him of his righteousness through that. 
And then when the temptation or the tempter comes or the liar comes to say, oh, you, you, you really screwed up. You're too bad. You'll never get that. He'll convict you of the same words coming out of my mouth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about it. He's been judged. He's been judged. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Oh, yeah. Isn't it good? Yeah. He had this all set up 50 days after he finished at the cross. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. He's solid. He's solid. So today, you have to understand another thing, too. When you first are baptized, you are infused with the Holy Spirit. But if this is to work, and you're to do it the way God wants you to do it, you have to understand when you yoke with him, you are filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. And infilling means, yeah, he's in there. He's there for you, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be surrendered to God's perfect will in your life for this to work all the time. You cannot think about it. You cannot rationalize it. Forget your opinion on it. Just lay it all down and get in the program. Amen. Get in the program. And when you're able to do it with God, you'll be able to do it with man. And whatever man says to you has no effect. It'll just run right off you. I won't sit around, I won't go home, I won't boo-hoo, I won't do all this stuff. Oh, he doesn't like me. Like Pastor Diane's stuff. I don't give a rip. But part of one of the things that Pastor Diane really hit me with one time when I was going through coming to this place, coming to the place of full surrender, coming to the place of knowing that I want to walk with God daily. We were having quite a discussion at a Bible study. We were talking about the things we should be saying to people and everything else. Pastor Diane said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here's my take on it. Go into all the world and make disciples, and when necessary, use words. It's our lifestyle. It's our actions. It's how we present ourselves every day, every moment, everywhere, anytime. When we come to that, then you have it. And it's there for you. When you wake up in the morning, you want to get filled up with the Holy Spirit? Say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Ah, give it all to me. And you know why he can't resist? He just jumps right in there and gives it all to you. You start dancing around the room. You know, you follow your wife who's doing the boogie down the hall. <laughs> she loves the Lord, and she shows it. I mean, she got going here, and I mean, it almost took me out. But that's what you need. You need that passion of God. And the way you get that passion is to walk with him. Practice his presence every day. He is the one person who really, 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 really wants to hang out with you. Really wants to hang out with you. You feel a little empty. And, and if you feel empty, it's a great time to come to church. And you don't need pastor to pray over you or Pastor Paul. Pray over each other. 
You have the power of God in you. Now, they'll teach you, they'll direct you, but the greatest thing is, I'll tell you what, every pastor will tell you this. The wonderful thing that makes our hearts just jump is when we watch the congregation do what we teach. Oh, wow. They got it. They got it. Woo-hoo. You know what that means? When they go to the principal's office, I'm not going to get yelled at. <laughs> He's going to say, yeah, but good job, Bob. They got it. Yeah, thanks. Ching-ching. Right, Gerald? Oh, we're sleeping. Okay. Well, I've had fun. I hope you got something out of this. I hope you really understand that I'm passionate about walking with God. My whole church, they hear it all the time. I'm waiting for one of them to come say, are you ever going to teach anything else? Yeah, when do you get it? I'll take that over to Kenneth Hagin's camp. Hallelujah. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.